Good morning. Everybody have a great Christmas? Awesome. It's a great time of the year. Tell you what, think about, it doesn't matter what anybody else says, this time of the year is about the celebration of the, the birthday. It's the birthday of Jesus. And Somebody says, well, you know, I don't, I don't think he was born on that day. Well, it really doesn't matter. We're, still, we're just picking that day to celebrate the day that he was born, because he was born, right? So we're excited about that, and it's always, it's always a joy to, during this time, to have revelation in our hearts. It's amazing when you have supernatural revelation in your heart, that can answer questions in other people's lives. Amen? I mean, if, if you have nothing, you can't give anything. But when you have something to give, it, it's, it's an amazing sense and a feeling when, when people need things and you have something to give them. I'm not, I'm not talking just in the monetary realm. Specifically, and first and foremost, I'm talking about in the form of revelation that will help answer you know, questions to people's issues, because we live in a world that is full of all kinds of questions that appear to have no answers. College and my sociology class, my, I, I, the, this is my second year of college, and, and um, my sociology teacher knew, he knew the Bible front and back, and could probably quote it backwards as good as he could frontwards. But what, what he did with the knowledge of the Bible is he made a mockery of it. And at the time, I was, I was born again long enough to be dangerous. And, uh, you know, it was like, you tell me something against what I supposedly believe, and my first reaction was always to just respond and not in a kind way. That was just the way I grew up, and that's the way I lived, and, and so you're going to tell me something like that? And I mean, he just made a mockery of the Bible. And after a while, I just couldn't sit there, you know? So um, I didn't get thrown out of the class, but I did transfer to another class. <laughs> And decided not to take that class because of how, how difficult it was to listen to this guy. But the, the reason was he had a head full of knowledge, but he had no revelation. And so he made a mockery and talked about how that God contradicted himself. And he said one thing in chapter 1 and another thing in chapter 2 of Genesis and another thing in chapter 3 of Genesis. But the truth was that the man was ignorant, had no revelation of how God created everything. How he created everything that we know of on planet earth, God created. And he created, he created, he created man in his image. And he created them male and female, spiritually. Then he created them male and female, physically. But when you don't understand the difference between spirit, soul, and body, you think God's contradicting himself in Scripture, but he's not. And it's real clear. And God, God has never given anybody revelation to hammer it down someone else's throat, ever. Don't ever think. You know, I, I, was, I was ignorant in those days trying to convince this guy that, had, that was educated in the Bible because of his study of the Bible. I tried to argue with him, and he just blew me out of the water, and it made me even, you know, even more mad and more irritated and aggravated. And so, you know, it was good that I transferred out of there until I got some revelation. <clears throat> Amen? Because um, you'll notice in all the different religions... This is all just free. This isn't my message today. <clears throat> all the different religions in the world, I've come across many different people. I've sat in airplanes next to people that believed other things. One day I was, or one time I was flying somewhere, I don't know where it was, but evidently coming back to San Antonio because there was a guy from the Middle East that was sitting next to me, and he was flying to San Antonio and driving to Austin and was going to finish and complete the guy was about 35 years old, maybe 40 years old if I remember right. But he was going to complete his journey of studying, if I remember right, 30 different religions. And Christianity was the last. And he was coming to the University of Texas to study Christianity. And I said, hook them horns, baby. 
I don't know about Christianity, but we got a good football team anyway. Uh, so he was coming to UT to learn about Christianity and study religion from a religious perspective about Christianity, that religion. And we had a, I think we were flying east coast to, to uh, San Antonio, so I had a long time to talk to him about the things that I believed. And he asked me the questions. He said, you're a Christian? And I said, yeah. He said, tell me. And so for two hours or so, we talked about Christianity. And I remember that day thinking how blessed I was to have the revelation that I had to, to be able to give him the information. But the thing that I realized is how intelligent that this guy was and how much he, he, didn't, he didn't say he, didn't, he hadn't ever read the Bible. He came to study about the Bible. But that guy could quote scriptures as well or better than I could. People know the Bible from here. But until you know the Bible from here, it won't change and transform your life. I mean, Christianity is just like one of the 30 other religions that this guy studied in his mind. There's people all over that challenge me all the time at different times about what I really believe. So I need to know what I believe. Not just have it in my head, but have it experientially in my heart. And so, series we've been on and... and for a little while, we're going to stop it into next year. We're, we'll bring it back up again. But we've been talking about the source of all fear. The source of all fears and where it originated. And we talked in, this is our seventh message, and we talked um, in the last few weeks and discussed out of Genesis chapter 3 that fear started. There were... There, there was no fear in the earth. When God made man, he did not make them with fear. But God told man, everything is yours, just don't mess with the tree in the garden. Don't mess with the fruit on that tree. And there was a, there was a purpose. It was, the, it was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The knowledge of good and evil. So, you and I, humanity was not created to need to know good and evil. We were created to know good. We were not created to die. We had to learn to die. Even to this day. 6,000 plus years later from the creation of Adam and Eve in the garden that we know of. 6,000 plus years later, even to this day, when something comes against a person as, as they grow older, you notice people aren't trying to find serum to put on their bodies or drink or take in form of vitamins and things to uh, shorten their life, what are we trying to do? We're trying to prolong our lives. Amen? I mean, don't raise your hand, but who in here wants to die? Don't raise your hand. I'm not talking about because of the form of depression that a person might be in and they just they, they don't want to live. I'm talking about somebody in their right mind wants to live. Why? Because we were created to live. We were not created to die. Yeah, but pastor, everybody, no, no, we weren't created to. Who taught you that? The Bible didn't. The Bible didn't tell you that you were created to die. The Bible said in a fallen world, there's a time to be born and there's a time to die, a time to be separated, right? It, it, as a result of a fallen world. But in Genesis, we see that man was not created to die. And, and what entered in and caused this whole death flow to begin to happen and the process begin to start is when, is when Adam and Eve, God asked them, after they ate of the fruit, they hid themselves, covered themselves. And not only when God asked them where they were and, and why they were hiding, they actually lied. They said, well, we were afraid because we were naked. And actually, they were afraid because they disobeyed God. And so, what causes the source of all fear comes from disobedience to God. And so today, <clears throat> if I subtitle my message, I didn't really subtitle my message today, 
But if I subtitle my message today on the source of all fear, another source and a main source of fear is the lack of faith. It's the lack of faith. When Jesus was in the boat with his disciples and he was asleep on a pillow, and um, they came to him and said, Master, we're perishing. There's a storm in, in the Sea of Galilee and we're in the boat. They're all in the boat together and they're perishing. And he, came, he got up and he rebuked the storm and the storm ceased and it stopped. And this was his comment to them. How is it that you... How, how is it... What is his comment? How is it worded? I had it pulled up and... It says, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? No faith is connected to fearfulness. No faith is a source, one of the main sources, of why fear remains in our lives. I've had people through the years be offended with me when I gave them some instruction and they, say, and they, they said, well, you're just telling me that I have no faith. No, I'm telling you what the Bible said. And the Bible says in this situation, you're, you're not releasing faith or there's not been faith developed to help answer or deal with the situation that you're facing. Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? Is what he said. So I want to look at that just in the time, the rest of the time that we have this morning, in our series of the source of all fear. Um, in Psalm 34, which is our foundation scripture, I want to look at that. Psalm 34, and we'll read, instead of just four, we'll read verse one through four. And it says, I will bless the Lord at all times, his praise shall continually be in my mouth. <clears throat> my soul shall make boast, make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. O oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord, verse 4, I sought the Lord and he heard me. And he delivered me from all my fears. I sought the Lord and he heard me and he delivered me from all of my fears. Today, as we're looking at Scripture here, and as we're going through a couple of different passages, I want us to really focus and, and walk away today with this understanding that it is vital that my life is free from fear. And here's... here's one thing that I can say, I was, I was born again in 1977, February the 23rd, 1977. I asked God to get me out of a really ugly situation. I felt like I was going to die. I'd mixed some drugs and alcohol and stuff together. And I mean, I just, I, I cried out to God. I said, God, if you'll deliver me, then I'll serve you. It worked because I sobered up. <laughs> And then I struggled with serving him, but I at least, you know, started on the path, you know. And, um, and, and in all the years that I've been born again, <clears throat> I've come to this place. And, I mean, I've been at this place for a while, but I came to this juncture in life where I had to make this decision that my life from here on out, would not be about me. That my life would be about making sure that the baton that I was given when I got born again, that I would hand it off to the next generation. That I would hand it off in a way that I didn't just give people a bunch of information, but that I gave people something experientially every day of my life. That I, I would leave something to my natural children, to all my spiritual children, to everybody that I come in contact, that people want to be around me because I have no fear as a result of developing great faith. Yeah. 
God dealt to every single person the same measure of faith. So nobody has more faith than the next person. All that we have is, is based on what we do with our life is develop faith or not. And if your faith isn't developed, then you're living a life of fear. Fear of man, fear of failure, fear of the dark, fear that somebody's going to steal from you, fear of this thing, that thing, it doesn't matter. But all of these fears, as David drew near to God, because he knew that God heard him in the things that he asked, in that relationship with him, and he trusted him, God delivered him of all of his fears. For you and I to be delivered of fear, we have to walk in great faith. But to walk in great faith looks almost intimidating and overwhelming. Looks like it can look at times like, you know, it's harder or more difficult to do than it really is. If you have a workout regimen that you have to do and you want your body to look a specific way, I don't care. I mean, I'm just using this as an example. If you try in two weeks, let's say you have a picture and you say, you know what, my body's going to look like this, and you try to do it in two weeks, it ain't going to happen. And what will happen is, a hundred times out of a hundred is you'll quit until you learn that it's step by step, situation to situation, workout routine to workout routine, every day, just show up. It's like Tony on P90X. Just show up and hit play and whatever he says. I don't know what, how, how he says that. And, and, and the, rest will, the rest will happen. And it will. And really, in all actuality, in any and everything that you do, if you just show up and do it, if you just learn every day to show up and have a right attitude and change the attitudes that we have towards people that we don't like or situations that we don't like, it's amazing how it'll change. But you have to, you can, the only way you can do that is to have faith and trust in God. So I want to read a couple more verses that we've already looked at and then end with a couple verses that we haven't. Mark 11. <clears throat> Mark 11 and verse 23. Verse 22 we'll start with. says this. Jesus answered and he said to them, have faith in God or have the God kind of faith. For assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things which he says will be done, he'll have everything that he says. Therefore I say to you, whatever things that you ask for in prayer, believe you receive them and you will have them. That's what David did. David drew not near to God. He learned God's way of operation and the way that God operated, and what happened? He believed in God, and he got delivered of all fear. Fear left his life because of his faith in God. It's not enough to suppose that you have faith or try to make something come to pass. You're not going to work up some magic trick to got, try to get God to do something when he's already, he, he, he's already set up the process. And in the process, if we walk it out and do it His way, it's amazing what it will produce. Whoever says to this mountain, and the mountain here, he was talking, this is a story of the fig tree that Jesus cursed. And he told the fig tree, no one will ever eat fruit from you, and it dried up from the roots. That quick. Why? Because... He only said and did the things that the Father told him to. So Father told him to do that. One of the things that's difficult for all of us at different times is to learn that God really hears what we say, but then we're able to hear the voice of God. David not only believed that God heard him, but he began to hear the voice of God and be confident in what God was telling him to do. God didn't tell you to speak to every mountain. 
And when you're speaking to mountains that God didn't tell you to speak to, those mountains aren't coming down. I don't care if the mountain is finances or health or depression or family issues. I don't care what it is. If you're speaking to something that God's not telling you to speak at at the time, it's not going to produce the results that faith produces. That's why he said, have the God kind of faith. Have faith in God or the way that God thinks and operates. And when you have the God kind of faith and you operate in that kind of faith, it produces the same thing that it produced with Jesus. Amen? And it'll produce for you. Now, 2 Timothy 1 and verse 3. This is Paul's letter to Timothy and he's telling him a couple things here that he had to learn. He said, I thank God whom I serve, Paul is writing this letter to Timothy, with a pure conscience as my forefathers did, as without ceasing I remember you in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see you, being mindful of your tears, that I may be filled with joy. So, Timothy was having some tough times, some struggles and tests and trials and things that were coming against him. But Paul says this in the next three verses. When I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt in your grandmother and in your mother, I'm persuaded is in you also. So the faith was in him, but he was having some struggles. Anybody know that you have faith in your heart and you've experienced struggles? Okay, so we're in the same boat. Can you say amen? My hand was up. Therefore, I remind you to do what? Stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of hands. So what Paul was doing through his letter was literally laying his hands on him and then, as you read on, talking about when we spend time together. In the last two services, or three services, I've laid hands or prayed over most of the people in here regarding or concerning fears that come against your life. What we do with how we receive the stirring of that gift, what we do with that will determine the outcome. Because here's the deal. If the gift of faith is in us, each man has been dealt the same measure of faith, and that gift of faith is on the inside of you, then that thing has to be, the faith has to be stirred up. Every day as we step out in our life, there's opportunities to trust God or to be moved by what we see. And every day, we've got to make the choice. You know what? I'm, I'm laying this thing down. I'm not reacting to this person in this situation. Why? Because God needs people that live by faith, and they trust God, and they trust Him, and they're doers of His Word, so that other people with issues and problems can see the Word working in you. It's not enough to hear the Word. We have to be doers of the Word. The Bible says if you hear the Word and you're not a doer, then deception sets in. We don't want to be people that are deceived. You know a lot of times how deception sets in? Is we begin, when we're not doers of the Word, to think that God operates in certain ways that He really doesn't operate in. You know? I, I, I had someone tell me a while back, you know, well, this sickness on my body, God put this on me. Not my God. He didn't, there's no sickness in him. There's no sickness anywhere around him. Sickness is, is the result of a fallen world and a curse that was on this land. By the stripes of Jesus, all that he went through is so that humanity could be well, right? But what happens is sicknesses stay on people and they come to people's bodies because of the lack of understanding of what Jesus did, okay? I mean, I've, I've, I've had many, many family members that have had sicknesses and have passed and died and all these kind of things. We stood and we prayed and we believed with them. But at the end of the day, it's what's being stirred inside of an individual to receive. You say, well, you mean they didn't have, uh, they, they didn't have faith so they didn't get well. I didn't say that. I didn't say That's not for me to say. All I can say is, I know what has to be working on the inside of me to be able to resist things that come. Amen. See, because we have faith doesn't mean that we're not attacked. Actually, if you're walking in faith, you're going to be attacked that much more. Right? So the question then is ask you, what, what did Jesus say? 
to the guys in the boat. Well, you little darlings, I'm sorry you got so afraid. You know, I'm, I mean, just go over there and just pat on yourself and everybody take care of each other. Everybody, group hug, group hug. No, he didn't say none of that. He didn't say none of that. Why are you so fearful? How is it that you had no faith? And I don't think he said it like this. Why is it that you're so fearful? I'm going to only be here for a very short period of time and you guys got to get this. You got to get this revelation about what it means to walk in faith and to do the things that I'm doing. Jesus didn't come to the earth to become the Son of God. He already was. He came to the earth to become our elder brother. And he said, the works that I do, you'll do, and even greater works, because now I've gone to the Father. He completed his work to redeem mankind back to the original state that mankind was supposed to be in, in the garden before Adam and Eve sinned, to liberate you and I. And now we get to live this whole life, however long that is, we get to live this whole life learning to understand what it means to live in life and not in death. To live in faith and not in fear. We get, to, we get this whole life. And, we're, and, and listen, I, I don't know about you, but I'm not going anywhere. I got the rest of my life to learn this. So let's learn it how often? Every day, every step, every opportunity. Every opportunity that you have to be kind, take it. I don't care how hard it is. I don't care what the, the person did to you that God's dealing with you about being kind. I don't care what they did. It doesn't matter what they did. If you let what they did to you affect the way you react, then you'll react the wrong way for the rest of your life. But when we learn to trust God, oh God, I'll do it if you get them. No. It doesn't work. No, listen, it doesn't, it, no, it doesn't work that way. It works, but it doesn't work that way. What works is this. Seed time and harvest time. And whatever you sow, you will reap, good or bad. Whatever the next person sows, they will reap, good or bad. So, God's got it covered, and God is not in bad things happening to the person that you know that's done wrong. That's just, that, that's, that's this world. That's not the world out here, that's this world. For 38 years, I've been learning what that world looks like. And today, like never before, I'm so grateful that every day of my life, I can stir up that gift of faith that's on the inside of me. And I can choose every day when I don't feel like it. And you know what? Paul said, I glory in tribulation knowing that tribulation is producing something. It's producing endurance. It's producing a faithfulness. It's producing a hope that never disappoints. In fact, the worst at times or more difficult that certain things can get, Paul said, I glory in that. Not in the trial and the tribulation, but God in the midst of it. Years ago, I heard, I was, it was one afternoon, I don't know, maybe 15 years ago, I was watching Christian television and Pastor T.D. Jakes was preaching and he made a statement that has forever just transformed my life it was it was he was actually preaching on something else and it hit me in a different way but this is this is what i received he said he said something like this but i'm telling you the way i got it and the way you've probably heard me say this before but he said he made this statement that if you're being tested and tried in something or by something in life, it's because God knows you can handle it. Have you ever looked at other people and said, man, it seems like they don't go through nothing? Huh? It just seems so unfair. Man, it seems like there's all kinds of stuff. Well, it's because God knows you can handle it. I heard a doctor a while back, this was pretty interesting. And he said, uh, he said, what concerns me with certain people at certain ages is not how many bouts of things that their body has fought. That, that doesn't concern me. What really concerns me is the people that have never been sick. 
That concerns me about their bodies as they grow older. They've never been sick. They've never had, never had a cold, never had this. Their body doesn't know how to fight. So at a certain age, something happens and they just cave because their body doesn't know how to fight something off. I thought that was pretty interesting. And I related it to this right here. In 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 13 it says, No trial, test, temptation of any kind is there out there that's already common to man, and God will deliver you. And not only deliver you, but take you out of that to another place. So a lot of times we look, we're focused on the trial or the test. Well, God put me in this. God never put trial or test on anybody. Never. He doesn't tempt and test with evil. He doesn't have to because there's the world out there. But He allows things, and and the allowing is that He's not going to stop what you've sown for in your life to be uprooted until you've learned in the midst of what you're walking through to trust Him. And then as you trust Him, things get uprooted. Did you hear what I said? Not God putting the trial and the test on us, and it's not the trial and the test that teaches us. Many people go through things and difficult things in their life, and they come out on the other side more mad at God than they ever were. It's not the trial and the test that teaches us. It's God in the midst of it. Amen? And when we're liberated in the midst of what we're walking through, fear is gone. It's gone. Now, I want to end this today with a a passage in 1 John 4 and in 1 John 5. So just follow with me in this. 1 John 4 and verse 16. And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love. Say that. Say it again. God, God doesn't love. God is love. God doesn't demonstrate love. He is love. God is love. So what does that mean? That means that love is God. Wow, that was deep. And he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. Remember David said, I drew near to the Lord, right? God heard me and he delivered me from all fears. What David drew near to was love. And the the closer that he got to love in his life, fear left. Now I'm confirming it right here. Verse 17. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as He is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in what? What else is that? So there's no fear in God. So God doesn't give fear. We read that in 2 Timothy a minute ago. Well, we didn't read all the way down to it. But in 2 Timothy 1.7, it says, God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but power and love and a sound and a well-balanced mind. That's what God has given to us, right? And there is no fear in love or in God, but perfect love or perfected or developed love. Everybody say developed. Perfect, that word perfect is mature. A developed love, a developed faith. Faith works by what? Love. The Scripture says, faith works by love. So, I know I'm saying a bunch here, but I'm going to drive this point home. God is love. He doesn't deal in the fear business, okay? And the closer you get to God and the understanding of how much God loves you, fear goes. I hope you get a lot more out of this, but if this is the only thing that you get today, the key to ridding yourself of fear is you realizing that God loves you just like you are. There's not anything else that you can do to make God love you. There's things you can do that will please Him, but there's nothing else. He, didn't, he created you, and He didn't make a mistake with you. 
And everybody sitting here today has a different, has a background. You've come from different places. Everybody has issues that you have, trials and tests and tribulations. You have information drilled in you at different points in your life and in time. But I'm telling you today, the closer that you get to God, not to, not to a religious class, not to a, you know, a book of information about what someone else thinks that God thinks, the closer, I mean, and I'm, I'm, I'm saying, you know, it's good to listen to teaching and read books and those kind of things, but you ha- the only way to grow closer to God is to grow closer to the revelation of this. Because this is the words of God to us. And if you don't believe this, well, you know, I'm just not sure if the Bible, well, then it won't work for you. It will not work. The guy I was sitting next to on the airplane who was coming from the Middle East to learn about Christianity, the things that I was telling him were the result of the God I knew of the years that I had spent developing and drawing closer to God. Not just growing, drawing closer to information, but draw, drawing closer to God. And, and I, so you gain information... And you take the information and you do something with it and you begin to practice it. And you begin to practice being kind to unkind people. That, that's, you, you hear me mention that a lot, but that's been a big thing to me. It's been a big thing to me. Because I was the one that wanted people to know how they messed up. You know, I wanted to make sure that they got what they needed to get. You know, I, I wanted to be the Holy Ghost to make sure that they got lassoed in and they paid for what they did. That was my nature from, from the past. So it's a big thing to be kind to someone. Keep my mouth shut. Don't talk things up. Don't get in agreement with other people and their offenses and those kind of things. But love them. Stand for the truth. Offenses will never produce. And it will not produce for you when you take the offense of someone else against another person. It will never work. It's never worked and it never will. In the Mark 11 passage of Scripture, it says, if you don't forgive, neither will your heavenly Father forgive. And that's in, a, that's in this realm. You've already been forgiven through the blood of Jesus. But the forgiveness won't flow if you don't purpose every day to forgive. And why do we not forgive? Because of fear. And you've got to work that out in your own mind. There is no fear in love. Perfect love cast out all fear. For fear, because fear involves what? Torment or punishment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. He's not matured. He's not developed. So you can develop in all kinds of other things, but if you don't develop in how to operate in the love of God. 1 Corinthians 13 is all the characteristics of love. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not envious. Love doesn't seek its own. Love doesn't do this. Love believes the best of all people at all times. I mean, as you study that, that's what you have to practice to develop and mature in love. So it's not getting rid of fear. That's not the key. It's developing faith in God or faith in love and then walking it out. That's what Because perfect love, developed love, matured love casteth out all fear. So you don't even have to cast fear out. You don't have to have anybody lay hands on you. Fear, go! Now, if it's supposed to, then then it'll go. But that's not the fix-all. See, if, if, if I'm supposed to lay hands on somebody for fear to go, then that was directed by the Holy Ghost. But this isn't a fix-all to lay hands and just command fear to leave. If you weren't told to do that, and, and the person's not in the receiving mode. What Jesus tell about 95% of the people that got well around him. Your faith. Hmm? What does that mean? Fear left. Woman with the issue of blood, all the fear that was attacking her and tormenting her and telling her it's never going to happen. Man, you go out there and try to touch the hem of his garment, they're going to stone you right in the middle of the street. Gone. Why? Because she heard messages that told her God loved her and he loved her so much that he healed her. And he said, if I can just touch you, I'm done. She was done. Twelve years, wiped out. And that's what you and I need. It's not getting rid of the fear. It's connecting to the love, which is God. The more you draw to Him, the more you connect with Him, then fear has no place. Can you say amen? 
fifth chapter and the first verse. Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. How many of I have those in here today? You believe that Jesus is the Christ. Okay? Lift your hand up if you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, the Christ, the Son of the living God. Okay. Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. Then you're born of God. If you believe He is, then you're born of Him. And everyone who loves Him, who begot also loves Him who is begotten of Him. Verse 4. For whoever is born of God. Let me see the show of hands again. That, that, that you're born of God. Okay, so he's talking about you in the first verse. And now he's talking about you in the fourth verse. Whoever or whatever is born of God. What does it say? Overcomes the world. What's in the world? Fear. And there's a lot of other things. But fear is the root of everything. All the bad that's in the world, fear is the root. Fear is the root. You get fear out of and off of people, they're free. Whom the sun sets free is free. You have a whole world that's like living in Alice in Wonderland. You get fear off of people, and everything's great. That's the problem. That's the, that's the problem. And the source of it came from our grandparents, Adam and Eve. Everybody sitting here today, we're all family. <laughs> we all came from Adam and Eve. Everybody sitting here today came from Adam and Eve. So our great to the one millionth power or whatever <laughs> messed it up for us and they started this fear thing and you know what it's time for you and I to end it Jesus ended it at Calvary but experientially it won't end in your life unless you end it and he said right here he talked, to, he talked about you in the first verse if you raised your hand he talked about you but now he's talking about you in the fourth verse whatever is born of God overcomes fear says the world, but I'm just going one of the one of those world things is fear. And this is the victory that overcomes fear, what? Our faith, my faith. Why is it that you're so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? If you're born again today, you have faith. I'm telling you like Paul told Timothy. I know that the faith that you learned from your grandmother and from your mother is in you. And the tears that you're having, the struggles that you're going through are real struggles. Everybody in here, at one, if, if you're not today, at one time or another, has gone through struggles and you will go through other struggles. And that's not a bad confession. There are struggles in the world because we live in a fallen world that's full of fear. And situations are going to arise. But I'm telling you today that what Jesus produced inside of you is an overcomer. Say, I am an overcomer. If you're born of God, then you already overcome fear. But... See, this is where my sociology teacher would say that God's contradicting himself. Well, he said you overcome fear, and then he said, and, and then you, you have to overcome fear. And he, he didn't, uh, you know, God didn't know what he was saying. No, he knew exactly what he was saying. He said, spiritually, spiritually, I'm an overcomer. Experientially, I will be an overcomer if I choose to receive what Jesus did for me. And every day of my life, stir up the gift of faith that's on the inside of me and give fear and the devil no place to operate. And listen to me. I'm not saying that the people that you are confronted with and that you come in contact are full of the devil. But everybody has demonic, listen to me, myself included, everybody has demonic battles in their soul. Everybody does. Right? See, if Fabian does something to me, and my first thought is I've got to retaliate, that retaliation is fear. 
right? So that retaliation thought is demonic. Did you hear me? Okay, so am I full of the devil? No. No, I'm not full of the devil. I'm born again full of God, right? But I have things that come against my soul just like you do. So all the things, so, so if Fabian does something to me and that, that first thought is fear, then what have I got to do? I got to change the thoughts. I got to begin to change the thought. You know what? God hasn't given me fear, but power, love, and a sound and a well-balanced mind. I resist you, Satan, right now in the name of Jesus, and I cast those thoughts down. I'll not be moved by that. See, I'm saying this to the enemy when, when in the natural, he did me wrong. See, we haven't been taught this way. We've been taught you need to respond and retaliate, and you need to hit him harder. I was at a gas station when I was 16 years old, and uh, there was a guy that had tried to steal my girlfriend. And I was 16. So I'm at a gas pump, and he's on the other side of the gas pump. I'm putting gas in, and he had an attitude. And he came around the gas pump, and he started saying something to me, and in my mind, I knew he was coming after me. And before he could get those words out, bam, I hit him. Bam, he went down. Bam, I got in my truck and took off. (laughs) Huh? In other words, we've been taught to hit first so we don't get hit. Listen to me. Jesus has already taken every punch that could ever come to you. You don't have to retaliate. Hmm? Literally, you can, in the natural, you can stand there and take the punch and do whatever God tells you to do. Hopefully he'll tell me I can fight back. But I mean, you can take the punch. You can take the assault. You can take people saying things about you and not have to retaliate. That's what the world needs to see. That's what your family needs to see. That's what your friends need to see. That's what your, your, your people you work with need to see. That's what people around you need to see. I'm not one that's going to punch first. I'm forgiving. And I'm telling you, you can only do that if you're drawing close to God. Because, see, God won't talk to you if you won't listen. And he's not going to tell you to take somebody's legs out. You know why? Because he created that guy, and why would he destroy somebody he created? Yeah, but what if they do this? Yeah, but see, I got all the promises. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. Every tongue that rises against me in judgment, they will be shown to be in the wrong. Angels of God encamp around about me. They protect me in all of my ways. They bear me up in their hands. Lest anything, anybody come against me, I'm protected. I'm careful. What am I going to believe? Every, every answer to every issue on planet earth is in this book if you're willing to draw to God. We draw close to him, then all the other issues get worked out. See, in dealing with the devil, you're going to deal with people. In dealing with the devil, resisting the devil, you're going to deal with people. Unless you go buy you some island somewhere and it's just you. But, you you know, the, the animals will get full of the devil, you know, or whatever. I mean, they'll come after you. The birds will start attacking you or something, you know. I'm just saying, you're going to deal with people. That's, That's life. But think about it like this. We get to sow, we get to do what's right even when wrong seems easier and justifiable. I get to choose to do something right, and and I don't, you know, CNN won't be there that night with a camera to videotape you that you did one, this one right thing. No. Nobody, nobody gets to know. See, nobody knows the depth of what Jesus paid for at Calvary. They don't have a clue of what he did. What the depth of what he paid for at Calvary for you and my freedom and liberty. Nobody knows. We have a glimpse of it. 
But nobody knows the depth of what he paid. What are you and I willing to lay down in our life for the good of others? Because see, the more I do for others, the more it's hap- it, it comes back to me. That's just the way it works. Today, the fear of failure, the fear of man, the fear of lack, the fear of death, Anything that is related to fear, which fear is in either directly or indirectly re- related, related to all bad. Anything that's negative or bad, fear is either directly or indirectly related to it. It's the root to everything. And the source of it comes from our grandparents. So, how many are going to choose to forgive Adam and Eve? Okay, done deal. And if you can forgive Adam and Eve, then you can forgive everybody else. Even when other people don't know what to do. Why would we rejoice when other people do things bad and we act just like them? When other people do something ugly and we're going to re- retaliate, we're no better than they are. In fact, we're worse, especially if you have more revelation than the next person. To be able to do something that's right and shine in the midst of people is, is what is, is it's, it's, it's the glory. It's all about the glory. So today... We're going to receive communion and just take what I said about fear and what I said about faith and just be meditating and thinking about it. But as we're partaking of communion today, remember that, okay? Remember that the blood and the body of Jesus has set you and I up to be able to receive everything that God has done for us and empower us to live a life of righteousness, to live a life of doing what's right in the midst of the situations that we face every day. And then you know what happens? What I find is that I find myself in real unusual situations where people that I would have never thought that are asking me for something I find them asking me for help. Asking me for help. Y'all can pass those out. Asking me for help in what to do in a given situation. Asking me for help and wisdom. And it's because when you develop righteousness, then people want the righteousness that you have. They don't even realize that, but they just want it. They see it on you. They, they see the reflections of it on your life in different ways, in ways you don't even realize. But then they want the help. And that's what God created you and I to do and to be. God created you and I to be a help. Help. 